Welcome to the Ipse podcast. We are Ipse, the independent regulator of most newspapers and magazines in the UK. I'm your host, Vicky, and I am joined today by Chief Executive Charlotte Dewar after, I think, a slightly long hiatus due to COVID to ironically talk about a new report on COVID that Ipse has just released. Um, so tell us a bit about this report, Charlotte. So this report looks primarily at the period March 2020 to April 2021. So really the run up to the first national lockdown through to the easing of measures after the third lockdown. And I should say, actually, that we're very conscious at the time of issuing this report that COVID is very much not over. Um, we are all looking ahead to what will be clearly a, a challenging winter and indeed has been a challenging fall. But I think we still wanted to pause and look at some of the issues and challenges for the industry and kind of um, financially and also in an editorial sense that we've been seeing and hopefully some of those lessons we can carry forward um, as we as we as we continue on through this situation. Um, so just in, in short, really what we wanted to look at is, is a couple of things. Um, so one is Ipso's response to the pandemic um, as, as an organization. Um, but secondly, sort of what were the editorial challenges that we could see that editors and journalists were grappling with and, and kind of how did they respond? Mm, so I think two things that you've identified there. I think lots of organizations obviously had some COVID-related challenges. And I think the press regulator is perhaps not the first thing you think of when you're you're thinking about COVID challenges. So what sort of things kind of came up in terms of Ipso's own response to the pandemic? So I think Ipso is a fairly small organization. Unfortunately, we did find ourselves in a good position to make the transition in operational terms um, to, uh, to kind of COVID working. And I think a lot of organizations had that experience of kind of when, you know, when things get really tough, people pull together and it makes things possible that you wouldn't previously have thought were possible. But I think a lot of the, the harder thing to deal with was really about our sort of relationship and engagement with external kind of stakeholders. So with complainants, with publications, like making sure the lines of communication were open and that we could kind of um, engage with the people we needed to engage with at a time when everybody was dealing with um, to a greater or lesser extent to sort of emergencies and, and a lot of kind of things that needed to be urgently dealt with. So it's really how we balance that sense of this is an exceptional circumstance with needing to carry on providing the service that we always provide and, and ensuring that we're continuing to investigate and, and kind of deal properly with complaints and the other functions that, that we undertake. Mm, I think something that's been really interesting about the period is that um, it's really shown the kind of value of, of news, of kind of accountable, regulated news. And we've seen all of the figures for kind of the public accessing news kind of go go up. So what are your thoughts around that, Charlotte? The early stages of the pandemic were just an extraordinary time for all of us as individuals. And I think here at Ipso, we were experiencing it both you know, as individuals in our personal lives, same as everybody else, but also in a professional context. And that was a really interesting double view to have. On a personal level, I think probably there's never been a time in my life when I've consumed news as intensively as I did in that period. And I'm, I know that I'm not alone in that. Uh, from a professional perspective, I was very concerned or very, um, there was just a lot of uncertainty, sort of 
what what were going to be the impacts of this unbelievably intensive um, engagement with the news that we could see all around us? Was this going to lead to a kind of enormous flood of complaints and kind of how would we deal with that? And then also a lot of anxiety about the editorial challenges that I could clearly see publishers were facing already and the kind of a real sense of the stakes of those editorial decisions that kind of there was huge uncertainty about what was happening with the virus and what was happening with the kind of government response and sort of how was this all going to go and what was the role of the publishers that we regulate going to be a positive role or would be seen as a positive role and, and kind of what would be the demands placed on them to communicate about something where literally lives were at stake. And I think really interesting that you talk about kind of being being worried about potential volumes of complaints. I mean, with COVID dominating the news agenda, has it, say, seen a lot of complaints in this area generally? So I think there are kind of there are two 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 questions which which sort of slightly different answers really. So we did have a lot of complaints um, that year, um, many many more. So it was over thirty thousand um, compared with sort of you know even eight ten thousand in in many years recently. They weren't they weren't actually um, overwhelming about COVID. So only about ten percent of the complaints were about COVID. But I think it was an atmosphere in which. Although a lot of the news was about COVID, there was also just, just tremendous engagement with news generally. Um, and I think that it's, it's I would connect that with the fact that we did have such a large number of complaints, even though they weren't necessarily substantially about COVID itself. I think really less than 10%, so I think the report says 97 about a topic that has uh, dominated the news agenda for so long is is really quite surprising. And I think especially in a year where we not only had COVID, but I think several other kind of very high profile kind of things happen, like the Black Lives Matters movement. I mean, a very significant um, kind of number of complaints for, for Ipso really came around, I think, one particular incident, didn't they? Which in fact has nothing to do with COVID at all, which is the Stonehaven train derailment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's also a distinction to be drawn between issues that we had a lot of complaints over and then actual investigations. And so I think is sort of an interesting, um, I haven't done the breakdown myself, but it does feel that on a sort of anecdotal level that although we didn't have a very large volumes of complaints about it, so but the complaints we did get, you know, there was a lot of um, really, really interesting and really challenging issues raised by them. So we did have um, about 75 investigations that were kind of related to IPSA, uh, related to COVID, and um, and there are sort of they're they're absolutely still ongoing now. But that's just sort of looking at the period in question. So it we it wasn't kind of lots and lots of people flooding in to complain about a single issue by and large but just a lot of people individually raising some really interesting and challenging points that we needed to look into and in terms of the editor's code which is of course the the code that ipso regulates um where would you say that we were seeing most complaints um as pertains to covid so even it's always true that kind of accuracy is the sort of number one issue that people complain about, but that's even more true of COVID. So it was about eighty, about eighty-three percent of the complaints um, were COVID uh, were 
accuracy related. Um, and I think that that probably isn't surprising, although we did also have some some really important complaints about the privacy of people who had had a, a positive COVID result. And I think there was a couple of, of quite important rulings making the point that um, COVID, the fact that somebody has COVID is, is very much private medical information about them. And in terms of, um, I guess, timing, so as we said, this report looks kind of through that that period of the kind of lockdowns. Um, are there any kind of notable sort of crunch points of where Ipso was receiving kind of large numbers of complaints related to COVID? So an early, um, an early big moment, which I think everybody remembers as being a big moment for the country as well, was um, Boris Johnson's um, positive uh, COVID test result. And in fact, a, a story that speculated that um, possibly he had contracted COVID from Michel Barnier, which was um, obviously a, a, a kind of a big moment uh, at the time where you sort of had a, a collision of the, the COVID story and the Brexit story. Um, so that was that was one. And then I think another that, that probably many people remember was the huge um, amount of coverage around Dominic Cummings and, and criticism of uh, over Cummings for the sort of allegations that he had breached lockdown rules. So those were two kind of really early uh, milestones. So in terms of the complaints that we kind of did investigate, um, were there any kind of specific themes that that you identified? Absolutely. Um, So there were lots of points of interest, but I think some that really jumped out to us were um, the use of photography, um, the, the sort of way in which COVID brought um, discussion of science and research really to a much wider audience than maybe we've seen before. Um, as so often recently, social media, both as a sort of source of information, but also the way in which information was disseminated um, by our publishers on social media. Um, opinion pieces and the line between comment, conjecture and fact. Um, and then finally, kind of concerns around discrimination, particularly relating to reporting of origins of COVID and also kind of um, identification of variants. I think I'm particularly interested in the the kind of opinion pieces thing, um, because as we all know, people have had a lot of opinions about COVID um, and kind of where where's the line there? Because obviously you still want to be accurate in an opinion piece. Yeah, um, it, it really, really, really challenging area, especially um, still now, but especially in the early days. It's just so, so, so much uncertainty at all levels about you know, where did COVID come from? What is actually doing in the human body? What is the best way to treat it? What is the um, what are the prospects for people um, who who have it? And even even how many people uh, you know have are, are you know have a COVID um, you know ha- have COVID at any one time? These were all things that we really um, had huge questions about. So I think it was it was a really um, it was a fascinating time because there was so clearly a need to ensure the kind of the, the most the strongest possible case to ensure that a huge range a range of opinions could be presented to the public where so little was known but also such a strong sense of how high the stakes were as i think i said before in that kind of lives could be on the line if um if inaccurate information was was being spread around so i think that was that was a really challenging um, moment for us and for editors, but ultimately at the end of the day, the principles came back um, and, and were the same as they always are, which is um, there is absolute kind of freedom of expression and, and, and 
in particular columnists and kind of people writing up opinion pieces should be able to express their views. But kind of Ipso's critical role in that um, and publishers' critical role in that is to ensure that the pieces of evidence that they are marshalling to support those views are being cited in a kind of in a clear and, and accurate and, and not misleading way. So, you know, you can as long as you're being clear about kind of why you take a view and 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 that and the answer to that why isn't inaccurate or misleading, you know, you can you can absolutely um take that view whether I agree with it or not. But obviously it's it, you know it's, that makes it sound a bit simple um it, it can be incredibly challenging to decide if a particular piece of evidence or a particular study is being cited in a way that's misleading or inaccurate and i think just you know going for a, a shameless plug for our report here um the report actually has lots of really interesting case studies around that say looking at ipse rulings during that period and kind of discussing why um, our complaints committee, he is the group of people that make rulings on the complaint, have come down on one particular side or the other. Um, so thank you very much, Charlotte. I think what we're going to hope to do is to do kind of a few short podcasts around specific themes in the report. But of course, um, if you would like to read the whole thing, it is available on the Ipse website, which is ipse.co.uk. Um, and as always, do let us know your thoughts. We are on at Ipse News at Twitter and Facebook. Um, and we will be back soon with more.